Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodano, along with our assistant sports editor Will Kennedy. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, this week we had some pretty good high school rivalry battles in basketball. And uh, Jim Cott will have another member of his Hall of Fame class with him uh, after the writers' election. Uh, but Will, we got to start with the Hope women's basketball team. Their 61-game win streak came to an end uh, against Trine on Wednesday night, a number one versus number four battle. Yep. Um, the the Flying Dutch were down early and never fully recovered. Got it to within two with about a minute to go, um, but a turnover and a couple and a few free throws from Trine finished that off. Uh, their first loss in uh, you know, almost three full years. Um, March March second, twenty nineteen was the last time they lost. Which is crazy. I it's mean, that's like, just such a long time ago. And for the, um, as you all undoubtedly read in my story, for this for the non seniors, they've never lost. This was their yeah. first loss at Hope ever. Um, and for the seniors, it was a very rare loss. Um, so, Will, I mean, just you know, after digesting what happened in the game, just uh, you know, what what are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I think we all knew, uh, at least in MIAA play before you get to the NCAA tournament, I think if it was going to end, it was going to end to Trine. I think we all kind of knew that. Um, the three games, or the, I guess, five games now, I've seen them play Trine since I started this beat in December of last year. Um, they're the only team that's come in single digits. They've won by single digits. Every game has been decided by nine or fewer points. Um, so we always knew it was going to be tight. Um I mean, Hope was losing by four with two minutes left when they played Trine earlier this year at their place. Um, so you always knew it was going to be a battle between those two teams. Um, and, you know, Hope just did not bring their A game on uh, Wednesday night at all. I mean, they shot 27% from the field and 15% from three, which is very uncharacteristic for them. They're the best three-point shooting team in the country before last night. They're shooting at about 40%. Um, so they were just very, very uncharacteristic characteristic uh night from hope and you know that happens sometimes um it's certainly not a good thing to lose i mean coach morehouse says like it's not a good thing to lose like we know we have to fight like that's not a mentality thing we have but you know it's better that it happens now than it does in march when it actually matters more i mean the worst case that comes from this is you don't get to host the miaa tournament which yeah that's that stinks but you know you're still going to be a top five team you're still going to be Perhaps right. still even the number one team. Who knows? Um, right. You're and still I mean, going to get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, even if you don't win the MIAA tournament. So, right. I mean, it, it stinks. The streak is over, but at the same time, they weren't playing for a streak. They they weren't. They they got bigger things on their minds. Right. For sure. And the fact that it's trying has its ups and downs, like you said. The down is that they might not host the MIAA tournament, but yeah, that's the. They also thing. won at trying earlier this year, and as as abysmal as they played at times for, for hope standards, I should say. Yeah. They still were within two points with well, a minute to go. That's the thing. If, if, if you tell any basketball coach that you're going to shoot 27% from the field and 15% from three for an entire game, and right. you're still going to be within two points. And your opponent is going to shoot 40% from three. Yeah. I, I think they would be like, that's 50. insane. I'll take that. Um, right. They, they had absolutely no right to be in that game last night with, with the way they played offensively. They had absolutely no right to be in that game, but they found a way to do it. Um, really battled hard down the stretch. I mean, Hannah Smith played absurd. Um, she played, she's been playing well all year off the bench, but she just took it to a next, another level last night. 
um, had right. eight boards, caused five turnovers. Bunch of steals, yeah. I mean, she had her hands on everything. Passing lanes. Um, didn't even – a lot of things she did, even though she – on the statute, it says she caused five turnovers. She caused way more than that just by getting her hand in passing lanes and stuff like that. Right, um, right. And then Meg Morehouse off the bench, too, was incredible. For sure. And Hannah Smith, I mean, she's technically the center on the second team. Yeah, and she's, she's yeah, at the point – she was at the point guarding – there she was like the on-ball defender for a lot of the time yeah yeah uh she which was incredible i mean and she was getting it done she was poking the ball away she was disrupting um and for at least for the first half i i mean i in general i try you know you you see what's going on and you're trying to give more than the numbers scope she's the only player on the entire hope team that i saw the fire in their eyes from the the beginning of the game. game yeah and that is something that's something that can't happen again. That that they they were down because trying to hit some threes and they weren't and hopes shots weren't falling, but you could tell it got to them, yeah. uh, even if it wasn't like intentionally getting to them. You could tell that they were frustrated with how they were shooting. You could tell that things weren't going very well. But but you can't have you can't have a game where all of the starters don't have that look in their eye. You know, like that's. It'd be one thing if it was a couple here and a couple there, but I mean the first the first four minute shift or whatever that the starters played, they yeah. looked a little lost. It was I think it was ten to two when they came out of the game, and then when the second unit left the game, it was nine to eleven or something like that. So right. like the, the second unit they scored how many points did they scored last night like. 40 something 62. Yeah, the, the second unit scored so the, se- the bench scored 28 points. 38. 38 points. Yeah, so they scored yeah. well over half their points. Yeah, um, the starters only scored 24 points. Yeah. So, I mean, that just it, 11 mean, in the first half. Extremely five battle. Like extremely uncharacteristic right. in hope. Um Right. And and but, if if it's I mean, if I'm if it sounds like we're being critical, that's what happens when you're number 1. This is this is all in in level of hope play we're obviously not saying that they're awful or that they even played awful no. but they definitely did not play it up to hope standards and they'll tell no. you that no, um, like I said, the fact that they shot so poorly from the field and still had a chance to be in it just says how good 12 percent really in the first quarter they yeah, shot 12 percent in the first quarter yeah it was, it was i mean crazy. you and i blindfolded might shoot better than 12 percent in the and first i'm pretty quarter. terrible at basketball so, so it just it just might seemed, help me. It just seems, you know, and then the, it just seemed like they weren't in. And then they figured it out. They, the second half, they figured it out, get to the free throw line. Yeah. And that kept them in it. They had, they made 25 free throws, which is huge. But also in a game where you're within two with a minute to go, they made 25 free throws, but they missed 13, which is a lot of misses. Most of them came in the second half, their misses too. Right. So they had every opportunity, every time they got within – four for a while trying to hit a three or have a three-point play or something big and then they finally were able to whittle it down but they couldn't get over the hump i mean when you meg morehouse had like back-to-back three-point plays i was sure they were going to win at that point for yeah, just a couple of minutes like a massive moment but she did miss one she missed one of the free throws on the three-point play right most of them both of them i don't remember i know she missed. No, she got it the second time the first time she missed but then when savannah Feenstra got the rebound was fouled and then she made she one of her two free throws so it ended up being a three-point play total three point play between the two of them five right so but it could have been five and there's there's two points different you know what i mean those are the things um 
But when you look when you look at the numbers, it's true though. They really shouldn't have been not it shouldn't have been even remotely close. The closest it should have been down the stretch is like eight or nine points, really. I mean, like, but it was two. What those last I think when Meg got the first and one opportunity, there was like just under eight minutes left in the game. I mean, the fact that they were only down by what twelve or 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 eight or whatever it was at that point, they should have been down by like twenty. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean. Um, Trine was on point. Their offense was looked good. They looked good. They play. I mean, that's another perfect storm part of things. Hope played bad, shot bad. Trine played really good. Trine played really good, and that's what happens in the NCAA tournament, though. Yeah. That and this is how Hope's been eliminated before: is they'll get, they'll their defense will play great, but they'll get behind, and maybe not as abruptly as it was now, but they'll be behind the whole game by six, even six, eight points here and there. And they didn't, they don't have a, a go-to offensive threat. They haven't in a while. Now if the NCAA tournament two years ago, Kennedy Schoonville became that threat. She, you know, she exploded offensively, uh, but they did not have that the, the couple years before that. And that's why they got eliminated. Um, I really, it also shows too. just, I mean, I know this team is really great. They're number one and everything like that. But would this have would this have happened to last year's team? I think last year's team was a little stronger. Oh, I, and... think, I think this year's team is better. Really? Yeah, I do. I think. Uh, I mean, I think you're saying you know they don't have one offensive player, which I, I suppose is true. They really don't. I mean, they have Kennedy, who obviously comes up big a, a lot of times. But I mean, for my money, Olivia Voskel is by far the best player on the team. I think she is incredible what she does defensively and what she contributes offensively. Her three-point shooting has been a bit uh, off this year, but she can, she still has the ability to do it and just kind of got to fu- come out of that funk. Um, if she was even... I mean, but she doesn't have Ashley Thomas this year. Well, 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 she has Hannah Smith coming in right behind her. Um, no, but that's coming in. Ashley started with her, and it gave them another post thing. Kate Majerus is a really good player, but she doesn't play the same game. Well, yeah, but Kate Majerus can drain threes like nobody's business, right? Um, but so, so, so I, I think it's a, it's a different. I think they're better offensively this year. I think they're averaging more points offensively this year. They're averaging like ninety two points a game or something like that before last night. Um, but for me, like I was saying about Olivia, she's by far, in my opinion, the best player on the team. What she brings defensively, she's the best defensive player in Hope College history by. A significant margin, according to even Coach and they've Morgan. had some and they've had some great and ones. Had some good ones, but she, what she does on the offensive side, she might not get all the points. But what she does on the offense, like getting boards, doing everything she possibly can on the offensive side, and she has games where she breaks out for like twenty points here and there. So right. In, in last night, as good as she has been all season, as good as she's been her whole career, the All American, she just had an off night. If she right. had, if she played even a fraction of what she normally plays at, hope wins. Right, at least offensively, she still played pretty well in defense. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, those are so many just little factors and it's just interesting to interesting to see, like they, they just didn't, but they got to find that offense. They have to, I mean, there's, there will be games where they play teams similar to this caliber in the NCAA tournament. And if they're behind, that's the thing, like their defense, when they win in the NCAA tournament and then when they go on deep runs, their defense sets the tone and they score early and set the pace, even if it's a close pace that they're ahead of. But if they get behind, they have to be able to come back, and that is what his – I mean, easy for me to say, of course. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. 
I mean, the NCAA tournament getting behind, it's very difficult to come back. And it's supposed to be difficult to come back. Um, but if you're a championship caliber team, you have to be able to come back from that, those kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, in the past, like when they won in 2006, when they won, Bria Ebels was the final four uh, MVP and she was an outside threat, but could also drive. She could shoot. They also had Jordan Bowles on that same team who had the career uh, has the career um, uh, record for made three pointers. Yeah. So you have both of those on one team. So even if one of them was, and that's not in counting their inside presence, you had multiple shooters. Now this team's got multiple shooters too, but they didn't look like it last night. <laughs> like well, that, that's why I think last night, that's why I think, you know, you're talking about like this whole, this could possibly happen again. And, so, and it could, it absolutely could. But I think last night was just sort of a perfect storm of just everybody in the starting five having an off night and, I don't possibly, I can't possibly fathom that happening again on that level. And also I can't possibly imagine, even if they do have an off like that, of an off like that, their opponent has equally as a hot night. I did. Right. That was right. just an absurdly perfect storm of just everything right. that could go wrong, could go wrong, especially for the starting five. For um, sure. So I, I don't think they, they might lose. I mean, they very well could lose, but I don't think they're going to lose like that playing, as poorly as they did offensively, they, they might lose and, you know, put up a good fight all game and, and shoot like 30, 40% from the field and just, you know, get outscored. Um, just get, by, just get beat by four points or something. Yeah, just yeah. Get beat. Whereas this one, like, yeah, they only lost by eight, but it should have been way worse. Um, should have been way worse. Um, but yeah. And, 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 you know, I know coach Morris is, is obviously, you know, coach Morris and the, and the team, they're always going to say, you know, we're not thinking about it, the streak, but, but, you know, now when they got to 59 games, they're getting this national attention and, you know, maybe it weighs on them and, and maybe they're, they're thinking about it more than they normally would have now that it's getting like, you know, on ESPN and, and in the athletic, because obviously you and I have been covering it since day one. Um, right. But now these, these big names are getting noticed and, and I'm not saying it did, but it could have played a factor of just, you know, it's, it's mentally draining. And that also could have played a factor in trying really gunning for him. They obviously they always really gun him for him, but now they're like, all right, this team's like, we're going to, we're going to show the world that we're just as good right. as them. You know what I mean? So. Right. Well, and it just know. took one three pointer from trying to get, kind of get it rolling. They hit a three well, early had the lead for 22 seconds all game. Yeah. I mean, they hope, hit a couple of threes. Hope went up, hope was up to nothing. Then try and went up three, two, and they never gave the lead back. Right. And that was just, they hit, I think three threes in the first quarter. Yeah. And then they didn't hit a. They hit six the rest of the game, but they seem to always be a dagger at the wrong time for Hope. I mean, not that there's a right time to give up an open three, you know, but like, but Hope would Hope would go on a five point run, pull themselves within nine, yeah, and then they'd hit a three, and then they would pull themselves within eight, and then they'd hit a three, and the then biggest, it just they the never were able to. The biggest one was right after halftime when. Kennedy Schoonville gets a big block in the corner. Like she swats the hell out of a trying shot. Everyone's getting hyped. Right. They go down, make a couple layups. So then I was like, all right, four point. And trying, I think, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Hope goes on a 6 0 run or something like that. And then yep. trying to back and drains two, three. Boom, three. Yep. Possessions. And it's just like, all right, well, now we're right back where we started in two minutes. Exactly. Long. They just never, that trying was able to hit that reset button so many times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just it just would have taken one of those times to not work. Yeah, for hope to be in striking distance earlier than the last four minutes of the and, game, too. Some of the threes they were taking were like they were a lot of them were like open in the corners and stuff like that. But a lot of them were just like really like good luck heat checks. Like the girl Tara, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Tara, number eleven on trying, who finished the game with eighteen points. 
I mean, she pulled up from like the anchor logo. Multiple oh yeah, times. she had a couple of really long ones that There's went like, down. She had a couple of them missed, but a couple of them went down. Yeah, the, the two furthest ones she even attempted were nothing but net, and I was like, "That's like NBA plus." That was like right. absurdly long three pointer, and they just made like nothing. And and one of them was right. early in the game, and I kind of saw that was like when she made that, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is going to be something." Because remember, I've been covering the game since they've been on a 28 game winning streak i've never seen them lose like right i go to devos arena or i watch the stream i'm just like all right let's see how many points they're gonna win by today right um, and i thought last night would be close but i i didn't think they'd lose um no no if anything i would have thought they would have lost at trying this year not yeah, a home game our, that game was arguably like the biggest blowout of the five i've seen because they right. as as poorly as they played last night they played much better at trying, but they shot an abysmal like 30% from the free throw line that night. So that game could have been, they, they won by like, I think nine. By nine. They yeah. could have won by like 15 or 16. Right, right. So, and that's another factor too, when you get into close games in the NCAA tournament, how much of the missed free throws going to kill them at times. And that's a very uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic thing again for them. Because like last night, I think their free throw percentage was pretty solid. It was around 50% probably, I think. Well, the free throw, I mean, yeah, that's not, I mean, they got to be, their free throw, if you want to win big games, your free throw percentage has got to be over 70. Free throw percentage was 65. So, like, it was yeah. solid. It was solid. Right, and but there was just so many of them better. that 13 misses adds up more than say, it would have been a three lot misses or whatever. Go one for one or, or one of two right. down the stretch. Because I think it right. was, like, well above 70%, whatever. Because they right. were draining all their free throws in the first half. Right. So, but yeah, so maybe this is too, will give them a mental flush of things. I mean, whether, the, whether they admitted it or not, the streak's there. Yeah, and it's not, it's even if they're not, their goal isn't the streak. That's another factor on their mind. It's, and being trying and pressure and national attention, all those things that athletes would like to say that they don't think about. And even if they're not focused on it though, it's still a thought taking up space in their brain. Yeah, it's there. And now they can flush a lot of that out, and that could be huge, you know. And if they, I mean, like you said, it's a perfect storm, but they need to be able to defend against the three better. They need to be able to shoot free throws better, and they can't have a whole offensive, they can't lay an offensive egg at the beginning of a game like that. Yeah. And throughout, I mean, it's not like the they offense got much better. Egg until about five minutes left in the game. Yeah. And that's really just Meg Warehouse and, and Hannah Smith going in. And, yeah, I mean, Meg single-hand, almost single-handedly brought – they double-handedly brought yeah. – um, you know, I think Claire Bagley played pretty well to it, especially uh, defensively for a while um, in the second half, too, where she got more – she and Meg got a lot of time with the starters. They kind of started – Mo started to uh, mix and match a little bit more instead of one first unit, second unit. Yeah. I think um, Muller played pretty well, too, down the stretch here and there. Um she, she sort of just kind of drives to the lane and either puts up a shot and, and hope it drops or, or hope she gets fouled. And, you know, it's been working for her. Um, right. She gets fouled a lot. It worked for her again last night. Yeah, she just drives to the lane with reckless abandon. And I honestly love the way she plays. It's so much fun to watch. Um, and, it, I mean, it did work for her last night, too, towards, towards the stretch. It just took a while for her to get into that rhythm again. Right, for sure. She normally plays. And then she missed a couple free throws down the stretch, showed it everyone else. But, yeah. Um, not picking on her, but you know, it's, that's in a close game. Those are the things that, that play into things. If you're going to drive to the basket and try to get, you know, draw fouls, which they did a really good job of last night. 
Yeah, you got to make those count. Yeah, um, and also like I feel like we're not talking about it, but, but, but credit to Brian Morehouse because he was just like, obviously all coaches are going to say this, but he was just like, yeah, no, this loss is entirely on me. I did not put them in the right position to win because um, they were getting, obviously their defense is their, their, their hallmark, um, but right. they were getting dashed, especially early in the first half by like uh, backdoor cuts, like the easy, easy backdoor cuts that Trine was just, you know, making that extra pass. Someone was making a cut back towards the basket and, and it was wide open. And if that wasn't open, they were hitting a three. So right. So, it's well, almost like yeah. they were so worried about the three after a few of those dropped that they got a little lax on the ins, uh, their defense the yeah. rest of the so uh, I, I side of know, the court. I don't know if that was a coaching adjustment or something that that Brian Morris made, but but either way, uh, he he you know took full blame and full credit for he's like you know this loss is entirely on me and the rest of the coaching staff. Um, the starters didn't play as we're used to them playing, but that's not their fault. That's my fault. So so you know credit to Brian Morris for for saying that because obviously, you know, right. Now the players won't agree with him necessarily. No, I mean that, but that's but that's the, I mean that's the right move. That's the right thing to say. And it's there's so many lessons. That, I mean they like like you were saying, perfect storm. They there's there are four things that killed them, but if there were only three things that killed them, they still might have won. Like that's, they, they win shooting below thirty percent from the field against the right team in the country. Like right. If um, try and hit one fewer three, maybe it's you know different in the last couple of minutes. If yeah, yeah, if yeah. Uh, you know if if hope hit if hope hit didn't miss thirteen free throws, if they only missed eight free throws, maybe it'd be different. You know, there's so hope many things. Another three pointer, which they've been doing all season. If hope hits one three pointer, but these are the kind of things that have eliminated hope teams from the NCAA tournament in the past. And I mean, it's not picking on hope either. These are things that eliminate any team any from an NCAA tournament. And, uh, but you know, they gotta be, there's gotta be, if they really, and the hard part is that they have a reputation of being a title team. They won a national title. They've won two national titles. They've been in the finals another time. They've been, you know, they were, uh, they likely would have made the final four two years ago. They definitely would have made it last year. Yeah. Um, so it's, they, they have this experience and they made the, what they, also, within the last 15 years, they've made the Elite Eight three or four other times yeah. that weren't those final four times. So deep postseason runs are expected, which means, you know, the title titles are expected. They're kind of becoming the Atlanta Braves where they they win the they win their division 14 years in a row, but only win one World Series. You know, like that's I'm not saying that's the case. I like I said, I I um uh I would have put a decent amount of money on them winning the title two years ago if I was a batting man. And I would have put all my money on them winning the title last year. <laughs> um, but that, so it's, it's hard to factor that in and see, you know, say that this, something like this could have ended, you know, whatever you don't know, unless a perfect storm happens to occur. Um, but other team, a lot of teams, while hope is so great balance wise, defensive wise, everybody's good on their team. Everybody on their second unit would start on most teams in the country, not even just their, their own league. Yeah. But other teams don't have that, and which is a benefit for Hope. But in the NCAA tournament, if they've got a one person that can get hot and score 35 points that they can go to and is connecting and Hope doesn't have that person and Hope gets behind, that's where this – can come into play and where it has come into play in the past it's the there's the blessings and the curses of not having a go-to scorer um but again that 
it only comes into play in a perfect storm game when it happens to happen. So yeah. uh, we'll see how they go. We'll see how they respond. Uh, yeah, like I, I agree with you. They got bigger. They got bigger fish to fry than a reg than a streak. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very want... interested to see how they come out on Saturday. They're playing a very good Albion team at Albion on Saturday, um, and they're either going to come out. I mean, I highly doubt it, given how the the players were talking and, and most more talking. They could they could potentially come out flat. I mean, I highly doubt it, or they could just come out, you know, pissed off and and beat guns a blazing. Albion yeah, like fifty. Um, yep, exactly. Albion, so when they played at DeVos. Albion was winning for large portion of the first half. And then the second half hope just turned it around and they ended up winning that game by 20 um, because they started shooting better. That, that was right. they shooting better. Um, so it, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how they come out Saturday. I, I think they'll come out mad and, and, and ready to just, you know, get back on track and everything. Um, but it, it's also a situation where, you know, it's, it, it is a, a situation where they could come out flat just based on what, what just happened. So, I mean, I doubt it, but it, it is a possibility. Right. Yep, and it's and it's you could tell the shooters looked a little nervous too. There was uh, how many after they missed a, a bunch collectively. How many times did you think Hope was going to shoot an open three only to have pump fake and pass? Oh yeah, that was the thing, especially in that that corner down on, in the second half. It, it felt like, and even in my head, I was thinking, I'm like, all right, well, they need to come back and they need to start hitting threes. But also, if you hit, if you take a three and you miss it, you're giving a possession, basically giving trying two points. Just for right. free. So they, 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 I think that was, I, I didn't ask them about that because it's something I thought about later on in the night. But that was probably what their mindset was like, all right, we can't afford to waste possessions here. Let's go right. pass and get this easy bucket. As right. And to go to the free throw line, which is what yeah. they did. Yeah. So I think that that had to play in their head because, you know, and basketball is a mental game where you see the ball go in the net, it helps so much. But if right. you're seeing that ball fall from the three point line, it's, it's just going to feel like nothing's going to fall. Right, but who knows? I mean, how how many of those ones that end up being pump fake pack passes? What if one of those goes in? Maybe exactly. That's that's what starts the ball rolling a little bit. And I think uh, it's uh, the famous the famous saying by Cully Carlson, Hope's assistant coach, uh, that he's always preached to all the shooters: shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and that's uh, that's worked for them in the past. So they just, but again, it's just that you could tell that it was a little bit different mentally. They've never had to think about stuff like that on the court. Yeah. I mean, it's been three years since they've had to really think about shots, not falling, you know, balancing possessions, doing all these things. So, I mean, maybe this will be a good flush of the brain for everything, for everybody. I mean, it, it really tells you a lot about just how, how the, the mental state of they were and how willing they were to take threes when Kate Majerus only took one three all night and she made it. Right. So, you know, she, she was one for two all game from the field, played 16 minutes, which is, you know, as you know, that that's everybody kind of played in that 18 is that 16 to 20 minute mark for the most part, unless you're like Meg Morehouse or somebody. Um, so she, she made one for two from the field. It was a three pointer. I think it was early on in the first half. And then she just, you know, never took another one. Right. So, I mean, that's just, it's just another, another layer there. So, uh, well, yeah, we'll see how they bounce back. We've got, they got, like you said, a big game against Albion. They still have to play at Calvin. Um, not that we're necessarily worried about that, but it's never an easy place to play. Um, and then who knows where the tournament's going to be. And then, you know, we'll be talking about, I'm sure we'll be talking about a hope try and rematch in the finals of the league tournament, but where that will be and how that, what's the situation is, is uh, to be determined. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we had some uh, shift in gears. We had some good high school basketball uh, played the last few 
for that last few games. But before we get to that, uh, Will, I want to talk about uh, the West Idaho girls basketball team. They lost uh, to Rockford on Tuesday. It was their first loss of the year. Rockford's ranked. Uh, they also got uh, Hudsonville coming up and Hudsonville's ranked. So this is going to be kind of their, uh, their gut check week or whatever you want to call it. But uh Big factor was obviously uh, has been Paul, Coach Paul Chapman. He had a, that allergic reaction on Friday. Uh, it canceled Caledonia's game. Uh, ended up in the hospital. Everybody was you know really worried that it was a heart attack or something, and it was just a lot of a lot of craziness. But he was back on Tuesday. You talked to him. I mean, it seems like uh, you know it was just a uh, one of those fluke things. Uh, allergic reactions just happened, and then you know, they dealt with it and that was the end of it. But at the same time, it caused a lot of uh, fright. Yeah. So basically what it was, he, I guess he, he you know, he didn't know, but he, uh, it was an allergic reaction to ibuprofen. I guess he took some ibuprofen earlier today, a headache or, or something like that. Um, and then he just started feeling kind of weird. Um, and he went to talk to the trainers, the Caledonia trainers, while the girls game or the boys game was happening. So it was a double header. Um, and he was talking to Caledonia trainers and he just sort of collapsed off to the side um, and then, you know, they, they put the AD on him. They didn't have to jolt him because the AD tells you whether or not it's a, a heart issue or anything. Cause the, the right. first assumption was, okay, this guy's having a heart attack, but, but he wasn't, um, right. they put the AD things on him. Um, the AD was like, no, it's not his heart. Um, so then they gave him an EpiPen injection. And after that, he was like, he came back and he was like pretty fine. Um, but they, you know, they still talk him to the hospital for, for, you know, an abundance of caution. It was funny. Absolutely, I yeah. him, and he, he was like. I was like, oh, so if you're feeling fine after the EpiPen, like, why did they take you to the hospital? And I was like, did you get a chance to talk to your girls or anything? He's like, I texted them that night. Um, but the really, the only reason they took me to the hospital is because I'm an old man and, and they're probably worried about me. Um, so he was, he was very much like, this isn't that big of a deal. Um, right. I want to move past it and, and, you know, good for him. And, and, you know, move and we're glad it wasn't a big, ended up being a big deal because obviously that's a scary situation. Yeah. And, and the girls with. were worried about him. Like they're, they're, they're uh, I don't, I know and as I was obviously we weren't there, but you know, I was told some of the girls were like crying. They were really nervous. Um, West Ottawa and Caledonia girls got together and they, they prayed together for him, which was really sweet. Um, and yeah, but, but they didn't really know what was happening until later on that night. Um, and then the next day, you know, I think they, they, they all talked and then, you know, got back, got back getting ready for Rockford. He's a tough team, top five team. Um, so w- once Friday night, Saturday morning, all the, the, the nerves and, and uncertainty sort of wore off. They're just like, all right, back to normal, back to basketball. Just don't take any more ibuprofen. <laughs> Right. Right. So it's it really it also goes to show just how big of a deal AEDs are, because that was able to rule out some things without really doing much <clears throat> just by connecting it to them. And I'm sure that that up the level of scare, you know, for people that were seeing what was going on. But at the same time, that's how important those things are. And that's why what the West Leonard Heart team does is so big to uh, raise money to get those in as many schools as possible and as many public buildings as possible, because <clears throat> obviously that's how Wes Leonard died. Um, and we had another player from Holland, Taylor Daru, who that happened to. He's a coach at West Ottawa now. On the, on the court. Um, but he, uh, the AD saved his life. Yeah. And so, uh, so a kind of a weird sidetrack to that. So, uh, Taylor is the freshman coach at West Ottawa now, freshman boys coach. Um, and uh, Chap was used to be the Holland boys coach, right? Um, right. So when that happened, Chap was the guy to go get him the AED and like save his life and put the AED on him. And so 
when they were like, okay, who's going to go to the hospital with Chap? Taylor was like, no, this guy saved my life. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the ambulance with him and ride with him. So sort of a little interesting. I didn't get to talk to Taylor, uh, but that's what Bill Kennedy told me there, AD. Um, he told me that little story the other night, um, which I think was pretty cool. Uh, Taylor Absolutely. was there at the girls game the other night. He was out in Rockford with the boys, um, but, but really sort of an interesting sort of full circle moment there for the, those two guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, you know, definitely those are a couple of scary situations that we've had. Uh, but thankfully, this one didn't end up as scary as the others. Um, and there, there was in the long run realistic reason to be scared, especially for the people who weren't there, because there was there was a report out from uh, somebody who was like, oh, that AED and, and, you know, they, they had they had to jolt him. He obviously corrected the report once he found out what happened. But, you know, he was up in the stand and seeing the AED, like just sort of, you know, think, oh, man, they had to use the AED on him. But sure. That's what I would have thought, too. I mean, I might not have tweeted it, but at the same time, I would have definitely yeah. thought that immediately. Fortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, but. That, that caused some uh, more anxiety for, I think, people who, who weren't, weren't there, there that, uh, who weren't like able to see exactly what was going on. Because I was at, uh, oddly enough, you talk about uh, West Leonard, I was at the Saugatuck-Fenville game when, when I saw all this go down. I was like, oh right. my God. Just another layer of... Yeah, this is absolutely... I mean, it wasn't the Never Forgotten game because that's Saugatuck, but still, like those two teams and everything and, and their history with AEDs. Um, so I was like, oh my God, what, what the hell's going on? But then, you know an hour or so later and you text and it's like, no, it's an allergic reaction. Uh, just some, some, um, uh, bad information. They were, they were, they got out there, but everything. Right. And I was like, okay, that's, that's much better. Right. Right. It's definitely, yeah, those, no, these are the stories we definitely don't want to be writing for sure. Yeah, um, very, very much a big reason for concern there. And thank, thank God for, you know, coach chat being fine and, and just, just, you know, take Advil instead next time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, moving on to we had the Zealand East West basketball games on Tuesday. Uh, the Zealand West girls beat the Zealand East girls pretty handily, uh, which was not necessarily a surprise. Um, any team that's able to kind of corral Maddie Schur, uh, um for Zealand East is probably going to win um, because she's i mean she's a great shooter and if they you know most teams focus on her and they're they have a lot of younger other parts that you know don't have the consistent offense going yet um so that's kind of the way things go and then zealand west just kind of pounded the ball inside i mean obviously kara martels is like six three and she's just you know she's able to do a lot in the post and then they got a lot of other weapons that were uh you know they they all ended up in the in the in the paint driving and scoring in there and i i feel like everybody had like all all five of their starters had like eight to 11 points and it was just a good team win for them. Then the boys game was quite a bit different. Um, The Zealand East boys came in having not won a conference game and the Zealand West boys, you know, were clearly the favorites going in and it was kind of like the trying game. (laughs) Zealand East had a bunch of threes. So it was the opposite of hope. Yeah. They hit a ton of threes at the beginning, early in the game, in the first half, built the lead. They ended up with a double-digit lead. They can, you know, Zealand West would it back. Then they, you know, kept extending it a little bit. But then in the second half, even though they hit all those threes in the second half, they pounded the ball inside to Skipper, and he had ended up with 26 points. And they were able to shoot to get the lead and then go inside to keep the lead. And it was a very winning formula that they haven't been able to execute as well as they would want all year. And it was a big, it was a huge victory for East that was not expected to win. Most of these guys, you know, before this year, hadn't really seen the floor at all um, because they're, 
you know, their team last year had six, six seniors uh, that kind of took up the whole, all the playing time and a team that went 19 and one. Um, so just as it, you knew it was going to take a little while to kind of get them, you know, going and, and, and having that experience together and, you know, a rivalry game, you know, the best came out of them. And uh, I mean, Zealand West had a bunch of threes also, uh, but it just ended up not being enough as uh, you know, a, a couple more by East and then, like I said, consistently pounding it inside down the stretch was able to, even when they hit a couple threes, they're up by 10. They, you know, Zealand West didn't have enough to whittle it down uh, enough. They ended up whittling it down to three. Yeah. And then I think uh, after a free throw, it ended up being a four point, four point game uh, as, as the final score. Um, but uh, I think it was yeah, 68 to 64, but it was uh so really good. I mean, both teams played very well. It just, you know, the stretches of threes, but the game plan by the, by the chicks and getting that, uh, getting that to finally work uh, the way they've been trying to make it work all year and in a rivalry game, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a big win for the chicks. So um, yeah. they're going to play again and it's going to be exciting again. And it's going to be at, uh, this game was at West, right? It was at West. Yeah. So now it'll be going back to the coop the next time. We'll see what, they can execute that game plan again and also what Zealand West adjustments will be made and, you know, how they're able to, uh, to handle some things. Uh, but they, they also played a good, a, you know, pretty good game. It just, it, you know, a lot of high school games that are close comes down to one, two, three plays. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. So, um, but they, the plays were early enough that it built that lead and then they were able to just keep them uh, at a, far enough arm's distance away the rest of the way. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned going to the coop. This is a total sidetrack and I'm just curious and, and want a little bit of fun in my life. The Zealand East student section is called the coop, right? Yep. The coop. Does Zealand West have a name for a student section? Yep, they're not? the swamp. Okay. I was going to say they need to be called the swamp immediately. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. They're it's, the swamp. It's not yep. painted in the gym. Like it's painted in the Zealand East gym with that right. absolutely horrifying massive chick with the lightning bolt or whatever he's that thing that thing haunts my nightmares Um, (laughs) but zealand west needs to get something like that because that would just be extremely goofy and i would love it for sure for sure um and we got more rivalry stuff happening this week we've got holland christian versus hamilton girls boys doubleheader on friday at hamilton uh which will be big the holland girls are playing the zealand west girls which will be a very intriguing matchup and those the boys will also be facing off holland versus zealand west um, so lots of good, good rivalries coming up this week. Um, and then the hope, hope Albion on, uh, on Saturday. So plenty of, plenty of things to, uh, to look forward to, uh, wanted to also quickly mention that, uh, Jim Cott has an, one more hall of fame teammate going in on the class of 2022 with him. Uh, David Ortiz from the Boston Red Sox, big poppy, uh, was elected by the writers. Uh, got 77% of the vote. He was the only one to make it. Um, Bonds and Clemens were in the 60s percentile and Scott Rowland. Um, and then I think Todd Helton and uh, Billy Wagner and Schilling and maybe uh, Sheffield possibly where they were at least over 40%, if not 50%. Yeah. Uh, so really interesting situation now. So, I mean, Big Poppy has some, had some very loose ties to PEDs where he was one of the leaked names in that New York Times report which was in the preliminary testing to decide how, like before they were actually testing, they did a round of preliminary testing uh, through their collective bargaining agreement. And 
the real testing would go into play if a certain percentage of players tested positive, which they did. And yeah. then the, the testing went into play. But he was uh his name was leaked as uh positive from that, but then he never had a positive test 15 years of playing after that. Um, you know, when they were actually actively testing with act with big penalties. So it's just a really weird situation. They didn't say what he tested positive for, just that it was a positive test. Um, but then he but he still made it on the first ballot, which I think is like the opening, the slight opening of the door for this. I mean, we may have some Hall of Famers that already have PED connections. We just don't know about it. Um, sure, we do. But but it's very odd that every every layer is different. Like obviously, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, Rafael Palmero, they tested positive and were suspended. Yeah. Mark McGuire has admitted to using. Uh, Bonds and Clemens have denied it. Uh, well, Bonds, you know, said that he used it unknowingly. So, and Sheffield had a similar claim. Um, I believe. And then, uh, if I remember correctly, but, uh, but then the grand jury thing was thrown out for bonds. Clemens has only been accused. He's never had any actual evidence. Yeah. Uh, and his grand jury thing was dropped. And then you have, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really, it's every, everybody, there's a different layer, but then Sosa has the same, had the exact same thing only that Ortiz did. And Sosa never got, a lot of the vote and Ortiz made it on the first ballot. And then Clemens and Bonds, who even if they did it, they still were two of the better players of the generation. And plus you got the enablers like Bud Selig and some of the managers and general managers from the era who are already in the Hall of Fame. It's just a really weird mess uh, because how are you voting for, even if you, I mean, if you, unless you think he was completely clean, how are you voting for David Ortiz and not Barry Bonds? I just don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, I think you are well aware of my my take on this issue and my Twitter timeline. Obviously, you have a much stronger connection to the Baseball Hall of Fame than I do. Um, but my Twitter timeline this entire week has just been clowning the writers and clowning the Baseball Hall of Fame for just being so, in my opinion, egregiously stupid. Like, let Barry Bonds in. The man deserves it. Who cares if he did steroids? He made baseball fun and made baseball interesting to an entire generation of fan, including myself. That home run chase between McGuire and Bonds, or I'm sorry, yeah, McGuire, Bonds, and Sosa, was it? Oh, McGuire, McGuire and, Sosa. and Sosa, and then Bonds and Bond, after that. Yeah, that whole era of baseball is what made baseball fun, and that's what made me a fan. And I, I, I loved it so much. And that, that baseball, that era of baseball is more fun to watch than the current era of baseball we're in now. Like I don't think I've watched a baseball game for leisure outside of opening day since I worked for the Marlins in 2018, 19. Um, well, that, that turned me off from watching baseball because I just have to get paid to watch really bad baseball every day. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, that, that era was just more fun to me. It was more exciting. It was just like, right. everyone. It was definitely, it was definitely different. Baseball. And to me, you can't once now that somebody's in, that's got some ties to it. You gotta, you gotta have a different play on things, but bonds, Clemens and Sosa are not, on the ballot anymore this is their last year on the ballot so now they have to go to the committees kind of like jim cott did who knows what the makeup of the committees are going to be and it's going to be kind of a crapshoot um to see what committees take is on the issue but if you have some people the door open now i feel like it's got, i mean i'm not talking about i mean and, and they still got like 30 some percent of the vote a rod and manny ramirez they tested positive manny ramirez tested positive and was suspended twice yeah that's breaking the rules I mean, beyond, you know, what we're talking about even now. So, but to me, you can't vote for one of them and not, and I'm not talking about A-Rod and Manny. I'm talking about 
people who are not who have not officially you know either admitted it or been uh found guilty of it you're either gonna vote for one of all of them or none of them and now that ortiz is in and you like i said all these people like bud selig as a commissioner is in which in and a lot i mean he did so many good things for the game but the steroids thing cloud is just ridiculous um and then all like i said managers and front office people have made it from the era too who had to have known or suspected something was going on and just didn't really do anything about it so they're as guilty as or almost as guilty as people taking it so to me i my mind has completely changed i was a a few years ago i was a straight line i'm not gonna vote for anybody that has ped ties at all i wasn't going to vote for you know, I mean, not that I actually have a vote, everybody, just in case people are wondering. Um, but I wouldn't have voted for anybody. And my mind has, in the last four or five years, my mind has completely changed. Yeah. Now, this was the, Ortiz getting in was the, the, the like, the final straw of things. Like, I, I was, I was still, I was leaning that direction. But now he's in. How can you not vote for Bonds and Clemens? Um yeah. I mean, and Gary Sheffield, for that matter, um, and Sosa. I, I just don't. I'm not really sure how that how that comes into play. I can get why you don't vote for people who physically tested positive, yeah, or physically admitted it. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. Um, but McGuire is the only one that didn't test positive, but also admitted it. So maybe for him finally being forthright about it, maybe eventually he plays in. But he's already been on that committee and uh you know and he's not uh you know he he hasn't made it yet so yeah i mean this is i mean this might hurt you to hear but this is why baseball is dying in popularity because the gatekeepers of baseball are just a bunch of clowns um and they have no interest in in appealing to you know the the youth or the next generation of of our uh our sort of fandom and they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, let's just keep it old school and keep it. Let's not develop it. I mean, Shohei Otani is like one of the most electric players in the world. And like, if you're not a casual sports fan, like you don't know about him. Everyone in the world knows who LeBron James is. Like, right. I, I can never watch an NBA. I don't watch NBA games. I know who LeBron James is. I know who Shohei right. Otani is because I watch more baseball than I do NBA. But like, if I walk up to somebody on the street, they're not going to know who he is. Like, baseball right. just needs to realize that like fun is okay and steroids made the game fun in that era it was okay. right. it's almost like you need to they need to have like a this needs to be like a uh you know just a forgive and move on situation yeah, you know they right. just and the thing is like or give some like, amnesty and then move on he's obviously like a fantastic hitter like uh, one of the best right. of all time like nobody can deny that but like he has like like you said blues ped ties Barry Bonds is one of the greatest overall players of all time. The man played a position and he played the position really well. And he's like a better hitter than David Ortiz was. Right. I mean, Bonds and Clemens are the best hitter and a position player and pitcher since, since Willie Mays. I mean, like there's just, I mean, we're talking 70 years now. Yeah. It's the best players in 70 years. Yeah. So it's, I mean, baseball need to stop again. It'd be different if, if Selig and those guys weren't in, it'd be different if, if the writers had, made it a very hard line from the beginning, which they kind of did with McGuire, but it's still, it's still, it's too much of a gray area. And there's no, if there was, if it was a black and white issue, then that would be something, but it's a gray issue. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day for me, it's like, you know, 
obviously we love sports sports are our careers but at the end of the day i mean it's just a game man just who who cares it's fun like they, they were great at what they did uh just stop being such clowns the gatekeepers need to stop taking themselves so seriously and just let them in and and, and they were great they were objectively great steroids or not everybody right. was on the sauce in that era let them in right and so now david ortiz joins zealand native jim cott in the hall of fame class uh, there'll be seven members in the class now, along with Tony Oliva, Minnie Minoso, Gil Hodges, uh, Buck O'Neill, and Bud Fowler. And uh, it's just going to be really a lot of fun. Uh, now, the Red Sox Nation is going to show up in full force because Red, uh, Boston is only like three and a half hours away from Cooperstown. So they are going to, uh, it, it's going to go from, you know, Minnesota Twins crazy with Jim Cott and Tony Oliva, but now it's going to be Red Sox Nation explosion. There's going to be, thousands and thousands of more people that wouldn't have been there if he did uh, get elected. So it's going to be a very different atmosphere, but you know, it's going to bring more fans to kind of uh, understand the legacy of Jim Cott and Tony Oliva and some of those other guys, which is going to be a real positive uh, for the history of the game. And it's going to be a real exciting weekend. So we'll obviously talk much more about that when we get closer, but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting development. When is it? July, July. Yeah. July in the twenties, I think 22nd, something like that. So yeah, it's, it'll be uh there's nothing quite like it. It's like Woodstock. Um, it's just, it's outdoors and there's just thousands of people camp, just camped out yeah. watching, not camped out like overnight, but like just on blankets, folding yeah. chairs, camp chairs for free watching the induction ceremony. And then they, uh, you know, crash this town that's smaller than Saugatuck and you all of a sudden have got like, you know, 40,000 people, wandering the streets of a, a saga tucker douglas even more of a douglas sized town yeah. uh, it's just kind of crazy but it's super fun so uh we'll have much more coverage of that obviously when we get there but uh yep so now the the class is official now there's no more committees and no more no more votes uh now that the writer's ballot is out uh, david ortiz is the only one joining them so have plenty of things to talk about next week more rivalry stuff, more Hope Women's coverage. Hope Men, will they did not play Wednesday. We'll have more on them uh, next week, too. Um, so, yeah, get out and watch some basketball. And uh, for Will, I'm Dan, and we'll see vote, you next week. Vote, vote in our Player of the Week poll. Vote in our Player of the Week poll. Thanks for keeping me honest and, and reminding me, Will, that we always do that Sunday through Wednesday morning. We will have an Athlete of the Week poll, High School Athlete of the Week poll. So it'll be on our site, hollandsandal.com. So get out and vote for that.